uh, I've asked Will to play just to kind of, you know, David played skillfully before the Lord, before Saul, and it drove away the spirits and settled soft spirit. And I'm a fast talker. I get to running and I get going. And I've got to, as Stephen Curtis Chapman says, saddle up your horses. We got to go somewhere. But I need to calm down. Because it's not important what I say, but it is important that I get in the flow of the Holy Spirit and you hear what he needs to say today. So I just need to relax. See, I'm used to Sunday school classes and and one-on-one discipleship stuff, but this is my first opportunity to be able to be with you in this way. And, and, And I've studied, I've prayed, but it's not what I've studied and prayed. It's what I believe God needs you to hear this morning. And, and as the missions and outreach pastor, I do want to take this real quick. This weekend, Baskerville, hilarious. Sherlock Holmes mystery kind of a deal. I made the same offer in the first service. It opens this weekend. If you'll see me after service, the first one to do it, I'm going to give you two tickets to come. But what I want you to do is take the money you would have bought your two tickets with and invite somebody and, and expose them to what we do here in this house. A couple other things that didn't get in the bulletin, but I need you to know, next Sunday we do an outreach to the Laverne Senior Center down the road. Merle and Diane Henderson have a great heart for that. There's some needy folks down there. Listen, as we age, I say we now because I'm plus 50, so I can be that, but there are people that are older that have needs. And so next Sunday there'll be a beautiful wooden reception bin out in the glass breezeway. Bring some canned goods, canned soup, canned meats, uh, 16-ounce peanut butters, fruit cups, things like that. Preferably the pop-top because it's easier for them. And just let's just bless these folks next Sunday. So that's next Sunday. See Merle and Diane. Also, we're doing a blended single-parent ministries. It's hosting a blended families for step-families, single parents, families that just, hey, we got to figure it out. Listen, I've been blessed. Renee and I have been almost 30 years. It'll be 29 next month. And, and it was hard enough for us to raise our own. I, I know there's challenges when you got yours and he or she's got theirs and you try to get them. It's free, free breakfast, free snacks, but we do need you to sign up. It'll be in the reservoir, his family life. Damien McAlpine will be at the table to help you sign up, but we want you to register because it's limited seating. And then lastly, that same day, it's the blessing of the bikes. I like my vest. It's not as cool as Pastor Ronnie's, but, but the blessing of the bikes, it'll be right over here on this side parking lot, uh, 10 o'clock to about noon. So if you want to come out and pray over some bikers and their bikes, I know they'd appreciate it. I would too. Um, man, we're blessed in this house. Do you know it? We are so rich. We don't even realize, realize it sometimes. I'm in my 18th year, 18 and a half years here at Smyrna Assembly. SA, um, there's something else in there, Springhouse and now SWAC. Whatever you want to call us, I call it family. I call it home. And I've been so blessed by the teaching and the pastors that I've had here. Pastor Ronnie, I don't, I don't know if it's just a combination of 30 plus years of ministry or, you know, he's got a theater background. I don't know if, what it is, but he just seems to occupy this space. When he brings the word and, and he's, he, there's a way that he presents and he, and he makes you think about things and you look at it from different perspectives. It's kind of like a, our ministry here is kind of like a diamond or a jewel. There's so many facets and sides to it. And then Pastor Barbie, she has such a gift with words. 
she, she just paints. Listen, she is to storytelling and painting with words. What Rembrandt, Picasso, and all those great artists are with a brush and, and paint. And, and, and she has a way of taking the, the word and, and mixing it with the words God gives her. And then she's got all these stories from Walsh Holler. Her whole life, God's just seemingly painted it out for her so that when she's in this position of ministry, he just gives her these things. And man, it just causes you to lean in and press in. Then Pastor Bruce, man, when he preaches, when he shares, he's got that word, man. And he, he, he's got his sermon. And then in the middle of it, God will give him scriptures and he can just flip to it. And more than being flipped to it, he just calls them out because he's got it in him. And Pastor Wayne, if you've never sat under him, I challenge you to take a class with him sometime. He takes the word of God like a loaf of bread. And then he can break it apart into bite-sized crumbs that you can digest and it feeds you. And I failed to mention these guys in first service. But listen, we've got some young guys coming up in this house. Pastor Kevin and Justin and Brad. The passion and the zeal that they, the fervency that they have for serving God and want to get that message out. Man, we've got a wealth of treasure in this house. And, um, and now today you get me. <laughs> you get, today you get peanut butter and jelly. So, Hey, listen, listen. I like peanut butter and jelly growing up. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Um, see if I've done this right this time. This was like, I feel like men in black. I'm afraid it's going <laughs> to... We've, we've chosen this year. Remember, he told me first service, just touch that one. Nothing else. So I've got my finger poised. So y'all just have to deal with this. We've chosen this year to look at the parables of Jesus. And, and simply a parable, just so you can understand it, it's just an earthly story that is used to relate or reflect a spiritual or kingdom principle. It's like a mirror. And so Jesus uses these a lot. Depending on what scholars or theologians that you listen to or read, what uh, commentaries or things. Listen, I use a NASB. I've used it for 26 years now. It's the one I study and read out of. Um, there's anywhere from 39 to 52. Like I said, I'm NSAB, and it's a wonderful thing. In the back, it's got this concordance. It tells me all the miracles of Jesus. It tells me all the parables of Jesus. It tells me how to pronounce all the names in the Bible. Mine says there's 52, so I'm sticking with that. But it don't matter how many there are, what your number is. What is important is that in all the recording teachings of Christ, nearly a third of Jesus' teachings were in parabolic stage or a parabolic way. And so that tells me something. And you're probably sitting there going, well, that's great, preacher. Thank you for the information. What's that mean to me? I don't know. But I'll tell you what it means to me. It means that I need to give heed to what he's saying in the parables. Because if he's on earth for 33 years, and his ministry was roughly three, and a third of all of his teachings are in some form of parabolic state, then there's something in there I need to know. There's, there's truth in there that needs to be revealed to me that I need to be able to lay a hold of and, and mine out of the, get past the story and get to the truth of what he's sharing, so that it will make my life better. So <clears throat> we started off the year, and it was it's interesting, as I get this parable, 
Pastor Ronnie started off with the sower and the seed, and we did that for four weeks. And in Mark's account of this, he gets to the end of this and he says, and he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything's in parables. Now he says something that at first blush sounds kind of hard. So that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And now that sounds hard. Wait a minute. You're telling them stuff so that they can't see and hear, so they won't come to you? Then he tells them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now you have to forgive me. I've got the T.D. Jake sweat problem. So. <laughs> it may just be that I'm about so many pounds overweight. <clears throat> anyway, and the lights don't help. Now, this passage, don't feel bad if you don't get parables. You've read them and they get confusing. I don't get it. 52. I still have to really dig through some of them. I don't get it all the time. Don't feel bad. The disciples didn't either. Otherwise, they wouldn't went to them and said, hey, what's this about? We don't get it. It's okay. But do you know that the Word tells us that He has sent one, Alos, one of another kind, the Holy Spirit, who will be our teacher and a guide and will call to our remembrance those things that He's taught us. So just because I don't get it in this little peanut of mine, I have somebody inside. I said somebody, not something. I have somebody inside, the Holy Spirit, who will come along and teach me when I go into those things. So really, what we're dealing with is not a sight problem or a hearing problem. Speaking of, I bit my lip last night, so it's swollen. Then I went to sleep, and all of a sudden, I, I turned my head, and I feel like I got fluid rushing around, so everything in here is an echo to me, and I'm just going, what now, Lord? But So I've got some problems. But really, the issue is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's not an acuity problem with our vision. It's not an auditory problem with our hearing. It's a condition of our heart. Jesus, in that passage there in Mark, he was actually quoting from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord came to Isaiah, and he told him to go and tell these people And I like this version. It says, it's not as harsh as what we just read. It says, to tell them this, when you hear what I say, you won't understand it. When you see what I do, you'll not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn and let me heal them. It would be so messed up if we served a God in heaven that sent his only begotten son to this earth to grow up and and walk this earth like we've done and been pressed on every side and gone through the things like we have as humans, minister for three years, declaring the kingdom, and then go, well... I'm going to harden your ears and blind you so that you can't see me. That don't make sense. Because God has come. We didn't choose him. He chose us. And so this is really, he's saying, look, you've done this. He gave us the law of Moses. And he gave us his word through all the prophets so that we would know him. 
that our eyes could be open, that our ears could be open to hear and see. But we have hardened our hearts. We did that, not God. So it's not a matter of hearing and seeing, it's our heart. So that brings us to this today, the laborers in the vineyard. Now, I don't know who was in charge of titling parables. Like, I don't know if the, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John got together and said, okay, look, we're going to write everything that Jesus does now. And of course they didn't because John said, if we'd written it all, the world couldn't contain the books. But we're going to write this stuff down. And you write the title you want for what you heard. And I'll write, I don't know if they did it that way or they just got together and said, look, Philip, you and Nathaniel get together. Y'all cast lots, rock, paper, scissors. I don't care. Draw straws. And and whoever wins, y'all can title them. But to me, this is a misnamed or mistitled parable, much like the prodigal son. See, it's not so much about the laborers in the vineyard, although they are a component of the parable. The parable to me is about the gracious landowner. And the generosity of this landowner, much like the prodigal son, is not so much about the son as it is the father and his great love for the son. But anyway, we'll get into this parable today. Um, Before we go, I want to set this up just a little bit. You know, you read the Bible and it says, therefore, and you keep reading. And to understand what the therefore is therefore, you got to go up above it and see why it's therefore. So, so Matthew 20 just didn't pop out. Matthew's right, and he goes, boom, parable of the vineyard. There was something that predicated this. And what it was, if you go back, you know there weren't numbers and chapters and verses when it was all written, just so you know. So there, so, but it, for us, we go back to 19, and Jesus has come out of Galilee, and he's in the region of Judea, and he's just past the Jordan there. And the disciples and some Pharisees, so we know there's Pharisees following him around listening, and a crowd's with him, and the Pharisees have tried to trick him. We're going to throw this question about divorce, and we're going to see if we can get him messed up. And Jesus handles that because Jesus handles things. He answered there's questions with questions. Threw it back on them. And then all of a sudden we get to something that we know about. A rich young ruler, I think like a Fortune 500, but maybe even higher, like a 100. I mean, this dude had it all. The, the three-piece tunic, the, you know, the the leather-bound uh, satchel to carry the Talmud, and he was it, man. He had the nice Sirachi sandals and all that stuff, and he comes up to Jesus, and they have this interaction going on. And then he asks this spiritual question. I think it's spiritual. Master, teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus begins to tell him what he needs to do. And we get to the end of that encounter, and it says, and he turned and went away sorrowful because he was going to have to sell all his possessions because he had many. See, we, we have that same situation, whether we're rich or poor. We are all just like that rich ruler. When we encounter Christ, we have two options. I can hear his words. See, he wasn't willing to pay the cost of discipleship. So when we hear the words of Christ spoken to us, we can turn and go toward him, or we can turn and go away sorrowful. And that's what he chose to do. Now, Peter and the guys are kind of hanging over on the side, and they're hearing all this, and they're watching this dialogue take place. Then Peter 
you know, or Alan, same kind of thing. Walks up and goes, uh, Lord, because Peter's good at foot and mouth disease. Uh, Lord, because he's heard all this, he said, we've left everything behind. We've left our families and our jobs and our prestige and our income. We've left it all for you to follow you. What are you going to do for us? What, what, what will we get? And I can almost see a little wry, a little chuckle and smile on Jesus go, let me tell you about that. And then Jesus tells them this. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who early one morning went out to hire some workers for his vineyard. After he agreed to pay them the usual amount for a day's work, he sent them off to his vineyard. About nine that morning, the same man saw some other people standing in the market with nothing to do. He said he would pay them what was fair. From my NASB, this is the one thing I don't like. The real root of that means right or just. He would pay them what's right if they would work in his vineyard. So he went in again at noon, and about three in the afternoon he did the same thing. And then at about five in the afternoon he went out and found still others just standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Anybody been there? There's work to do, and you've just been standing around doing nothing? I'm talking kingdom, not... Because no one has hired us, they said. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Remember when I said he chose us? We didn't choose him. None of these workers went looking to him for the job. He came and found them and called them. We have a generous landowner who came and called us. Amen? So then the evening came, and the owner of the vineyard told the man in charge of the workers to call them in and give them their money. He told the man to begin with the ones who were hired last. That's important. When the workers arrived, the ones who had been hired at five in the afternoon were given a full day's pay. At the end of chapter 19, Jesus finished all that with Peter before he gets into this, and he tells them, and the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And now we see this principle here again. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a day's wage. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. And the ones who were hired last worked for only one hour. But you paid them the same that you did us. And we worked in the hot sun all day long. Sound like any... I, just, I'm the... Yeah. I've never had that conversation with God about anything. The owner answered one of them, Friend, I ain't cheat you. I paid you exactly what we agreed upon. Take your money now and go. What business is it of yours if I want to pay them the same that I paid you? Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Why should you be jealous if I want to be generous? And then the passage ends with verse 16. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Anybody ever heard the expression, life's not fair? Have we learned that? Any young people under three in the room? <laughs> life's not fair. Life wasn't meant to be fair. In fact, if you're searching after fairness in life, you're searching for the wrong thing. Life isn't fair. I'm glad God's not fair. 
Because if I got what was fair, I'm in trouble. But thank God that he is the generous landowner and he is just and he will always do what's right by me because of Christ. You got a couple of things here. What do I learn? What's the Lord teaching me? There's two types of laborers. Now, he mentions five different sets. And I have to think that the first set of laborers here, I, I read this, we read some parables, and we automatically go negative. Hmm, wonder why. But when I read this, I think that these guys were actually grateful for the opportunity to work. See, it was harvest time. It was a seasonal thing. Harvesting wasn't a 52-week-a-year a job. And so these guys are standing around needing a job. Obviously, they weren't gainfully employed. And here comes a landowner with great land who had something that needed to be done, and he was willing to pay a fair, a just wage for a just day's work. And he, he brings these guys in, and they agree to it, and they go and work, and they're working, and they're getting this thing done, and there's so many grapes to pick, and there's so many back, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, about 9 o'clock, here come some other guys. And they're like, hallelujah, got some help, don't have to do it all by myself, but I'm still getting a whole day's pay. They're coming late. So they can't be getting what I'm paid, but I'm getting a whole day. And then here comes noontime. Here comes another wave. And 3 o'clock, and i got to think that these guys, as each wave of laborers comes, they got to go, man, this is wonderful. This guy's agreed to pay us X amount, of, a full day's wage. Now we can buy some food and take care of our families for a few days. And, and these guys are coming in late, but we're getting a whole day's wage. And now we don't have to work as hard because there's more hands, meaning hands make light work. And then this last group comes, it's almost quitting time. Now I think it starts to change a little bit. Who are these? What? It's five o'clock. What? They might. It's done. Look at all the bad. We got. What? I think it changes a little bit. But now it's quitting time and it's pay time. And I, I think that it comes up that a condition of the heart has changed here. Because now. The, the first, hey, I've been here all day. Why am I not getting paid first? Is the first problem I think they have. But they see the first ones getting paid who were last, and the landowner gives them a full day's pay. And, and all of a sudden, I think now they're sitting back here going, whoo, well, well, wait a minute, no. They came in for an hour, and he's paying them a whole day. Wait a minute, we've been here 10 minutes. We've been here. Man, can you imagine what we're going to get paid? Man, we're going to be, this is going to be awesome. And one after one, as he pays the other sets of laborers, they get one day's wage. And it comes to their turn, and they get one day's wage. And they're upset about it, and they're complaining and grumbling. Sounds very familiar um, to mankind. I think there's a story in the Old Testament, maybe this guy named Moses, maybe some folks that left Egypt with all of Pharaoh's spoils and plunder, got all the gold, all the food, and after a short period of time, all of a sudden, food's running out. We need something, God. And all of a sudden, they wake up one morning. Oh, whoa, this is awesome. We didn't have to work or do anything. There's food. And every day, they just had to get up and eat. And they're real grateful for that. And they had a manna party for a little while. And then all of a sudden, because they weren't vegan, Lord, I wish we had some meat. God, if we just had meat. Next day, woo, no more. The flutter of quail. So now they got quail. They got meat in man. The manna stopped. Now we got quail. 
And they're all excited, a quail party, praise party for quail. And then all of a sudden, now they're ungrateful for that. Sound familiar to anybody else? Could we be Hebrews? How many times have you prayed for something? Lord, I need a godly man. I need a godly woman. Then you get that godly man and godly woman, and it ain't two or three years later. Dear God, what have you got me into? <laughs> Lord, I need this job. I need it bad. I need a new job. You get on that new job six months later. Dear God, this boss you've given me, this work. Hello? I'm just talking to me this morning. I got to hurry. Praise worship team, if you'll come on up. This passage has components about the laborers. Listen, I've prayed for stuff before. Sought God got the answer to it and has thrown a party. I've said it from the pulpit and the classroom and other places. Just hallelujah, thank you Jesus. Until the next circumstance, crisis, or emergency comes in my life. And I've forgotten all about the goodness and graciousness of God in my life and now I'm complaining. I don't want to be the first set of laborers. See, those last laborers came in, worked one hour and got more than they could have ever deserved. That's us. We have come to Christ with nothing, nothing in the spectrum of eternity. We're last hour laborers. And he has given us what is just. He has given us right is right. If there's something I want you to go home with today from this, is that God is generous. God is that landowner. You can't get more generous than John 3.16. Money, good house, good roof over your head, food on your table in your belly, healing from time to time, those are great. But that's just stuff. That's temporal. John 3.16 is generous. That's exorbitant. That's lavish. That's abundant life. And he offers it to us. See, we're in, a counter, we're in an encounter this morning. I believe that the Lord Almighty is in this room because we've built a throne for him on our praises this morning. And I believe he's talking to you because he's talked to me this week about my choices. My choice to be grateful or look at others and be jealous and envious. Can you be any more saved? Why should I be jealous that God blesses that one? I'm called to rejoice with those that rejoice. So if I've got a jealousy issue, if I've got an envy problem, I've got a heart problem. So we've got a choice this morning. We've encountered Christ. We can turn and go to him. Or we can turn and walk away sorrowful. With those that are going to administer communion, serve communion, please come. And those that are going to pray, if you would follow, partake. See, God is faithful. I love this. I love this song. This wasn't what we had planned, but we're singing it and I'm just going, He's faithful. His promises are not, could be, and maybe, might be, and I hope so. He's the great I am. He is the sovereign king of glory. 
And he who was willing to give his own son. See, this parable ends, but you go a few more verses. Jesus says, Peter, you want to know? You're worried about what you're going to get? You think you've left it all and laid it down? He goes on to the next couple of verses and said, we're going to Jerusalem. And I'm going to be given over. And they're going to mock me and beat me and they're going to crucify me. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And by that, he can guarantee his promises are yes and amen. So what do you need from the sovereign king of glory this morning? Do you need a heart transplant? Do you need a healing? Do you need reconciliation? Do you need deliverance? Do you need a financial miracle in your life? Do you need a change of thinking? I can tell you it's yes and amen this morning. Would you worship? Would you come and receive communion?